we, we okay. need to grow up. We need to change. Uh, yeah. You know, life, we're not meant to be stagnant. We are meant to move and progress and adapt and change. And that's something that I tell a lot of my clients, clients that have trouble loving their bodies because their bodies are different than they used to be or they're different than other people's bodies. Our bodies know that sometimes we need to put on a few extra pounds and we need, our bodies can change and adapt. And it's, it's My a My body knows that part really well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Some of us are better at gaining the weight or losing the weight. And adapting and changing is, is okay. And it's a good thing. Recently, I'm the youngest of four. I have two sisters and one brother. My brother is the oldest. And the sister that's close to me, we grew up close because we're like five and a half years apart. And she taught me to write early. She taught me how to read early because she was learning it. She would just come home and share it with me. And so we grew up close and then she went away to college and I was left in the house with just my parents. And then I went away to college. And so her last year in college was my first year in college. And so we've, we've been kind of joined at the hip kind of, you know, in a lot of ways. And recently we had this huge argument and she said, you're the same person you were 10 years ago. And I was like, no, I'm not. I was like, uh, you know, I've done a lot of personal development work. So I know I'm not the same person. I said, are you the same person? And she said, uh, yeah, I am pretty much. And I was like, um, I feel sorry for you because that means you're not growing. If you're the same person that you were 10 years ago, you are not growing. So, you know, I wanted to interject that point because if you're not growing, you are dying. If you're the same space in the same time as you were 10 years ago, five years ago, then you're stagnant. You're not moving. And that's really ground for you to, that's fodder for you to deteriorate mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, do the personal development work. Because you need to grow. And while the, brain, the, the body tells you that something's wrong and pain is what the body tells you that something's wrong, the mind is something that you always need to be working on, no matter how old you are. You've got to always work on it to, to improve. That's how you grow. That's how you adapt. That's how you expand. That's how you, you know, really connect with yourself and actualize in a big way. Absolutely. This is the back end, where experts share customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on behind the beautifully branded front end of entrepreneurship. This is where most businesses fail. So we're here to help you save time, make money, and succeed. And now your host of the messy back end. Sheila J. Davis and Nate Tucker. We love our listeners here at The Messy Back End. We love y'all so much, we're going to make the mess even bigger. Coming soon to this very same channel, you're going to be hearing from The Messy Back End Exposed. You know, the very first day that we recorded this podcast, Instagram and Facebook shut down, so we knew we were right on track with The Messy Back End. All businesses have them, so don't be shy. Let's put it out there and help each other grow. If you have a messy back end or you're an expert who just loves cleaning up those back ends, give us a call at 801-810-6726 
or visit themessybackend.com to apply. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Today on our show, we'll be talking about building rapport with your coaches you hire, as well as with your clients. As Jim Cathcart once said, become the person who would attract the results you seek. On our expert segment today, we're going to be speaking with Wendy Y. Bailey about avoiding scam coaches and building rapport. Wendy Y. is a world-class business and sales coach and international thought leader and sales speaker. Wendy Y. is called a force of nature and trendsetter in the coaching industry because of her fearless approach to innovation. And you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the messy backend exposed, our expert, Wendy Y., will not only share her experience, expertise, and the tools she suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but she will also share her experience with a coach who turned out to be one to avoid. If you're an entrepreneur with a messy backend and you would like to submit your story or question, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Now on to our expert, Wendy Y, for her expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. So today we have something a little bit unique. We have a wonderful expert, Wendy Y, on our show. And Wendy Y has a really amazing story uh, about an experience that she had with a coach. So rather than having an anonymous listener uh, share their story or share their question and Wendy Y share her answer, she's going to do both for us. So, Wendy Y, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Awesome. Thank you so much, Nate, for, for, and uh, Sheila, for having me on your podcast. Well, I got to tell you that my story is, is founded in a very simple concept. Hurt people hurt people. And that applies to coaches as well. And I had an experience about f- almost six years ago now, uh, four years ago, five years ago. However long ago it's been, I had an experience where I was in in search of a really good coach and I tapped into quite by accident, a fairly prominent coach who was um, hosting like a a three day event live at like 7am in the morning. And if you, if anybody knows me, I'm so not a morning person. Like I, I like to sleep until nine and then start moving around 10. Me too. Absolutely. My first alarm doesn't go off till 9.09 in the morning. That's that's how I am. And then when it starts going off, I'm like, snooze, 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 you know, and I snooze for probably about 20 minutes before I decide I'm going to start moving. But this particular coach was hosting a, a free, I don't, I can't remember what it was, but I jumped on it and I literally sat up in the bed and started really engaging with her. And I thought she is charismatic, she's smart, she's, you know, she's a great coach. I need to really plug into her. So she did a series of calls. I want to say it was a three-part webinar or live stream. And at the end of it, she made an offer for you to join her program. And her program was just, I say just because it was a simple program. It was like a four-week you know, 30, 30 to 45 minute a, a, a week kind of program. And she would give yeah. you some support around your business. 
And what I thought was great was that works for me because I'm kind of rebuilding, right? And I started plugging into that. And then, it, you know, in the third week of that, she made an offer to something else and I enrolled in that. And then when I was in that, she talked about something else and I enrolled in that. And by the time I got to that point, I started to see some of the cracks in her armor. And the mm. cracks were somehow or another, I was tagged wrong in the back end of her CRM. And so I was getting like floods of emails that like two or three times. And I was oh. like, okay, this isn't right. And so I sent her a message and said, hey, you know, I'm getting emails from you like two or three times. And her response was, you're using the wrong email address. And I was like, okay, I use the same email address for everything. What's she talking about? That was the first flag for me. Yeah. There was no responsibility and accountability for feedback that she was giving. She had gotten based on something happening wrong. Okay. So that was the first flag. And by the time I got to that third program, her delivery of those programs of the, that content of the value that she had promised me was non-existent. She said that we were going to get live calls. Instead, she recorded something and popped it into a portal. So her message was, was off and her integrity started to be off in terms of what she was offering. And I thought, well, am I going through this alone? Like, am I the only one seeing this? And fortunately, because a, a colleague and friend saw me going through the program, she jumped in too. She was like, if I saw, you know, I saw her really getting you up and out of the bed and, you know, getting in early, I need to be part of this. So she was enrolling too. So we were kind of commiserating on what was happening because it was not just me. And, um, you know, I realized at some point because there was no accountability on her part, there was no responsibility. And there were things that were happening that were uh, less than integral. I was kind of like, okay, I, I kind of think I need to bow out of this. So I graciously said, thank you so much. You, you, um, you know, touched me and connected with me at a time when I was vulnerable and I really needed a great coach and I appreciate your coaching, but I think it's time for me to move on. I'm canceling my program. And um, she, you know, responded graciously. She said, you know, thank you so much for being in the program. You know, I'm sorry things didn't work out for you and I wish you every success. And the thing that struck me, and this was to me the horror of it, she proceeded to, she had a really, really, really active Facebook group. And she proceeded to block me and ban me from her Facebook group. Then she blocked me as a friend on Facebook. And I thought, what the heck? <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I went, wow. You know, I felt like I had made the right decision. But to me, the, the whole experience of being gracious, because I think that's part of who I am to be that way. And then for her to say it and then proceed to do that was like a shock to me. And it hurt my feelings. Like I shed some tears around it because I thought, wow, this is somebody that I invested in to be my cheerleader, to be my objective professional resource, to keep me on track in my business. And I trusted her. And then she did. I felt violated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've noticed that about the coaches that are kind of sketchy. If they, mm -hmm. if, if someone leaves or they get the slightest hint that that person's not happy, they immediately block you from everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why that is. I've, I'm, I'm familiar with some coaches that do that and that are not, 
they shouldn't even be able to use the word coach, but that should be like your first red flag is if anybody tells you that that coach blocked me because of whatever, they're hiding something. That's why they're blocking you. I think in her case, what I learned later, she had a, a, a lot of people that she had wronged, you know, where she had promised services and did not deliver them. So um, she was banning and blocking people who could say bad things about her on social media. And I would, I would not have been one of those people, but I think her fear that I might be one of those people was what caused her to ban and block because she was doing far worse to other people than she was to me. The colleague and friend that I mentioned actually enrolled in the next level program, which was, you know, each program was an ascension into a, a higher value program, which means it had a higher price tag for it. Right. And so my friend and colleague actually bought the next level. So she spent, I want to say five figures to be in that next level program and um, didn't get it delivered to her. So she, they don't do refunds. So she didn't get her money, nor did she get the services that she paid for. And to me, because of that one experience I had, I was so grateful. I was like, thank you, Lord. I dodged a bullet because I could have been that person who invested lots of money and not got it refunded and not gotten, you know, the services that were promised to me. So to me, again, hurt people, hurt people. And I learned very early in my coaching career that coaches are people too. And, you know, as much as I was, was, uh, felt betrayed by the situation that happened with that coach, when I learned that other people had had worse experiences with her, I was like, okay, I dodged a bullet. I'm grateful. I don't, I feel betrayed, but I don't feel hurt about it anymore. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you don't feel hurt anymore. Um, as you're sharing your story, I, I thought like, okay, how can we help other people avoid that? You know, like I, I love when I make mistakes or when I get hurt or something happens to me so that I can share it with others to say, Hey, learn from my mistakes. You know, I've already messed up. Like you don't need to do that. I'm not just trying to say I'm an expert in anything. Okay. I'm an expert in a few things like Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm an expert. I was going to say nacho fries, Taco Bell. Oh, I am an expert at, I love um, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good around a camera and back end automation. Other than that, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in, in anything, but let, let me, let's help you learn from my experience. I'm experienced, not necessarily an expert is what I like to say. Mm -hmm. So let's take your experience from that. And how do you think that, you know, our listeners can learn from that? The thing that I learned many, many years ago that in that instance, I did not put into practice is you've got to do a, go through a process of vetting coaches. You've got to understand their, their background. You've got to understand their backstory. You've got to understand their education and skill set. And you've also got to understand how they relate to you. I enrolled in all of these progressive programs with this coach, um, but I didn't really have a, a relationship with her. You know what I mean? She was somebody that empowered me to get up in the morning when I wasn't getting up, but we didn't have a personal relationship. And what I saw once I thought about it after the fact was as we were connecting and, and growing deeper into her supporting me in, in her various programs, 
um, other people within her community were coming to me and saying, Wendy, why? I heard you on a call. Ask this question. Can you help me with this? So I might have gotten clients from it. You know what I mean? But right. yeah, I, I might have. And that might have been the threat she felt, the reason she banned and blocked me and did all of that other stuff. But I think had I vetted her, I would have seen some cracks in her armor sooner. You know what I mean? I would have seen that that her track record of delivering services wasn't really that great. It was just starting to not be great, but she had come out of an organization from a very well-known coach and she was touting her expertise by sharing a testimonial from that very well-known coach. Mm. And in the process of sharing that well-known testimonial, what I didn't know that I found out later after you know I stopped work working with her, was that that very well-known coach was suing her to get her to stop using the testimonial. If I had done some wow. vetting, yeah, that, that was major, right? Yes. I was like, wow. Like all of the things that I found out later confirmed for me that I dodged a bullet. But had I done some vetting, I would have discovered that piece because it was so large. Yeah, I always tell people, you know, a coach, if they're really good at branding, can sell you tens of thousands of dollars of really cool branding. They look really good. You may not look so good after the end of it. You know what I mean? So this this lady that, that you're speaking of, she got you motivated. She got you out of bed and she she obviously had a great first message. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of fell apart after that. And that, mm -hmm. that's kind of one of those branding people is like they know how to really sell kind of at the beginning. And then it just kind of tapers out. But man, that is got, that's just so frustrating. We hear about this all the time. What would be your, your vetting process that you would go through? Let me say one thing before I go into my response to that. This coach, and I'm not really like this, but this coach was someone who was very charismatic. Like that's how she was able to get me up and out of bed, right? She was very charismatic. And I used to tell people when I would talk to them and I was still part of the community, I would tell people, you know, I'm not like her. I'm not going to pour water on you and tell you it's raining. That's the kind of charisma she had. When it comes to vetting, what I'm really, really clear on is you've got to do some due diligence. It's great to, to look at their experience, their expertise, their testimonials, their portfolio, whatever it is that, that they offer as social proof to you. You want to have some kind of one-on-one -on -one conversation before you make an investment with a coach. I don't know any coach who's reputable who doesn't offer some sort of individual one-on-one -on -one session in their business. Now, I don't do it. I offer it, but I don't do it to, to fill my practice with a lot of individual clients. I do it because it's a, it's a goal setting session. It's a, you know, let's find out about each other and if we can really work together. Let's find out if the chemistry is there. Let's find out if I can really solve the problem that you're presenting to me. That's why the one-on-one -on -one session is so important. Again, I don't know any coach who's reputable, who is not offering some kind of individual session. I charge for mine. Some people don't charge. But to me, I charge after 18.5 years, I like to say. I've been in business because I've got the experience and the expertise. And that's time. And I'm going to give you high value when you step into that one-on-one -on -one with me. And it just kind of continues from there. I point you in the direction of other programs. And that initial session is what that coach should be doing to know 
what programs she can provide to you, what services she can provide to you, and um, not just about making a transaction. It's total coaching cannot be transactional. It has to be about transformation. It has to be about um, you walking out of the coaching session or the coaching relationship better than you started out when you came into it. Oh, I love that. That last thing that you just said too, you have to be able to walk out of it better than when you walked into it. Um, and that's, that's the whole point of any type of coach. You know, you look at uh, coaches of professional athletes um, or, you know, sports teams, um, the best coaches know how to work with their, their athletes, you know, yeah. work with the, the students essentially. Um, and that's why, like you said, that vetting is important because even as a coach, as, as I'm sure you can testify, is that you need to vet your students as well. You know, you need to be able to go and say, hey, I can work with you. You are somebody that I believe I can help you, you know, become your best self. Um, if, if you're not doing that, if you're not connecting on that one-on-one -on -one individual basis, you're not going to, you're not going to be a successful coach yeah. either. The other thing that I, I think about that, you know, your statement reminds me of is, you know, for me as a coach, when I am going through that individual session, that initial coaching session, discovery call, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm looking, like you said, to be sure this is someone that I want to work with as well. And in my 18.5 years, and I know I keep saying that because it is 18.5, um, I've seen people in those sessions that I was like, mm, no, I don't, I don't think I'm the right coach for them. And every time that I, I say, but I'm going to help them anyway, I regret it and it doesn't turn out to be positive. One quick story, if you don't mind, I'll share about that. I had a client who was referred by someone else for coaching. We did, at that time I did them free, we did an initial sample coaching session. And she, we talked about, you know, what program I wanted, you know, I suggested that she enroll in and she decided to enroll in it. But then when we started our coaching, I felt like she was coming to the session, taking her earrings off and greasing down so we could fight. And I was like, why am I fighting her to help her? And so I mentioned it to her on that second session. Like, you know, I'm here to help you, but I'm not going to fight you to help you move forward in your, your work. Because she was a more of an executive coaching client. She was a, a director level with a, a municipal, muni, municipal, well, I'm not having a hard time saying that word, municipal organization. And, you know, based on where she was, she needed to have like some executive coaching around that that workplace and how she showed up in leadership. But when I said to her, you know, why are you coming to the session like ready to, to battle? And she was like, well, I don't really know why I'm coming like that. I didn't know I was doing that. And we agreed to part ways because she was just not right for me. And clearly I wasn't right for her if she felt like she needed a battle in her coaching sessions. So for me, over the years of, of entertaining people inside of coaching sessions, you're right. I have to vet those people just as much as they have to vet me. And as a coach, if you're a coach and you're listening and you're watching this, vetting really does mean, is this my ideal client? Is this someone who has presented a, a problem? Do I have a solution that can address that problem and, you know, alleviate whatever's going on related to it? 
And is this something I, someone I think I will enjoy serving? That last piece people miss out on tremendously. You've got to love working with people. And if you already see in that sample session that they're going to be a pain in the butt to work with, you need to be responsible and accountable and in, in enough integrity to be able to say, um, I don't think I'm the right coach for you. Let me refer you to someone else or let me suggest how you want to go about finding the person that is right for you. Yeah, we, we've actually talked about this in many different uh, episodes is about, you know, as much as you need to make sure you're picking the right provider, mm -hmm. the provider needs to make sure that they're picking the right customer or the right client because mm -hmm. there, ha there has to be a, you know, a relationship between the two. So I think, you know, when you funnel people in at the top of the funnel, you may not have that one-on-one -on -one time with them, mm -hmm. but when they start getting into those programs, especially five-figure programs, yeah. it is time to make sure that y'all mesh, right? Because if, mm -hmm. if you get in there and you don't, it's not good for either one of you. No. And a, a good coach will tell you, like you said, a good coach will tell you, I'm not a good fit for you or right. and vice versa. You need to be able to have, you know, the courage to say, you know, I don't think it's going to work out. And that's mm -hmm. fine too. It's courage and it's integrity too. As a coach, as an entrepreneur, you've got to be able to, to walk away from uh, the money part of it. You know, just because someone's going to pay you five figures doesn't mean you're the right coach for them. Or just because you want to pay someone five figures doesn't mean they're the right coach for you. And looking at it from that, that standpoint of it's not about the dollar amount. It really and truly is about the connection. One of the th things I talk about a lot in my coaching is instant rapport. I don't always call it that, but you've got to be able to connect with people. And it is connection. It's not just a meeting with you. Um, years ago, I had a colleague and she ultimately became a client. And when I talked about rapport and I wanted her to role play, she would say, so how's the weather where you are? And I was like, that's not rapport. That's, that's not what I mean by rapport. You know, it's, it's not about uh, mindless chit chat. It really is about, let me ask you, let me connect with you. Let me get to know you as someone I can care about. I can be objective in supporting you and serving you. It is a, a depth of, of integrity and caring inside of rapport that must be part of every dialogue when you're, um, you know, coaching or looking to coach with someone. Or podcasting. Yeah, or podcasting or, yes. or coaching or doing, you know, implementations yeah, or photography. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's something that's super important. I have so many clients where it's like, no, I want to build that rapport with, and the ones that we do, you know, something like you were mentioning the different things, I think as well, it's important because then you can be honest with them mm -hmm. and we can't have growth without honesty mm -hmm. and honesty. A lot of times will be painful. It, you know, we always say the truth hurts, you know, but if you have a coach who cares about you and you trust your coach, uh, you know, or vice versa, you're the coach and you trust your, your student. And if you have that relationship, you can be honest. You can give honest, harsh, hurtful feedback, but it's, it's the type of pain and the type of hurt that will get us motivated to change. You know, pain isn't a bad thing. Pain, right. like when we talk about physical pain, physical pain tells our body that there's something wrong. And that we need to change it. You know, if you stub your toe, you go, ow, that hurts. Mm -hmm. Well, what it tells your body is stop kicking the end table when you walk around the corner. That's, <laughs> that's the lesson that we're supposed to learn. 
It's um, just checking you know, the furniture placement. That's all it is, Nate. Exactly. It's that. That's what we need to learn. If it's if it's emotional pain, it's oh maybe we need to not you know have those type of relationships that we can get hurt from. You know, pain isn't bad. And if we have a coach that we trust, we can have those painful you know difficult conversations. But you need the rapport to do that. I heard you're you're right on target, Nate. You're you're right on target. I heard someone recently say, and I want to make sure I get it right, disruption is followed by intention. Yes, I've heard that before as well, and I love that one. I do too, because I was like, wow, that says so much. It's sort of the the rumble before the revolution, before the, you know, redefinition and reinvention process. That's sort of a, a paraphrase of Brene Brown. But it's it's understanding that there's got to be some conflict. There's got to be something painful, to your point, before you get into a space of intention and growth and progress. And it all starts with rapport. So when, when we're talking about rapport, that goes into um, not just the coaching industry, but even in the service industries. Like she actually did have a somewhat of a rapport with you, right? Because she got you out of bed. Right. But then it wasn't, didn't go both ways. That's no. kind of what happened is it kind of fell flat. So like when I'm, when I'm selling or when I'm doing digital marketing with someone, I'm vetting them to possibly do branding or websites, or, you know, if I'm going to go speak at an event, I want to have those, those conversations to build that, you know, that rapport with them so that I know if they're a good fit and they know if they're a good fit with me as well. And I think that's one of the biggest keys to selling is when you make that connection with somebody, everybody's like, Oh, how do you sell? I don't like selling. I'm not a salesperson. My kids are like, mom, you are the biggest salesperson I know. I said, do you know why? Yeah. I said, do you know why I'm a salesperson? Because I love what my clients do. If I love what they're doing, I don't have to sell to them because what I'm doing is it getting excited about their business? And that's kind of how, how you sell, right? Is like just by making that connection. You buy from people, you don't buy from businesses. You need somebody that you know is fighting in your corner with you. And that's, that is something that Sheila is amazing at. I know that for a fact. I've seen it time and time again with her and her clients. If you can't fight, she'll get in there and start swinging, you know, when you're taking a break. She, she fights for you. And you need that type of connection, that type of rapport with, with any, like, like Sheila said, any type of service industry that you're working with especially when it when it comes to your baby your business your passion that's your livelihood you need somebody there that you know will will fight for you and be there for you not just getting you out of bed in the morning but they're willing to get out of bed in the morning for you as well windy wide you you and i talked about that earlier you know we we're not morning people no. but there are people that we will get out of the bed for in the morning if if i get up it, like you said at a seven more a 7 a.m meeting if i'm awake before nine for you you're a special person right you, just, yeah. you should know that and that takes something special to do but i will do that for those people that i have that connection with without question and i kind of want to build on this whole rapport in selling um as a sales coach the thing that i'm clear on and i and i talk to my clients about specifically is you've got to be in rapport with that client because when objections surface, when something happens and they don't want to work with you, that's your default. It's got to go back to rapport. It's got to go back to that space and place that is about the connection you've created with them. And that's whether you're coaching one-on-one or you're coaching many people, one-to-many people, 
or you're serving. Let me just substitute the word because I know more than just coaches are, are watching and listening. If you're a service-based business, you've got to be the one who is managing the relationship that you have. Every touch that you have with them is part of building trust in the relationship. And that's how you're going to sell. As a digital marketer, I know, Sheila, you understand those touches. You understand that it's email. It's the nurturing you do through your email. It's also um, what you talk about and how you connect with people on social media. It's how you connect with people in networking environments. It's how you build rapport and connect with people when you're speaking from the stage or you're de delivering a virtual presentation. It's always founded in how you connect that allows them to see you, know, like, and trust you. And I like to say experience you as well, because that's the foundation for any kind of sale. S-A-L-E that you're going to have. One of the biggest compliments that I think that I get from people is when they tell me that I am the same person in real life that I am on stage, yeah. that I am on social. And I don't know if you see this, but whenever I see someone uh, or a speaker or something that I meet them in person and they're a different person, it's it kind of breaks that rapport, doesn't it? Because you're like, well, you're this person on stage, you're this person on social, you're this person when, you know, you like getting snubbed by somebody and then they find out I have a podcast and all of a sudden they're my friend. Yes. That's broken the yes. rapport with it. Yes. Right? Yeah. I've seen that quite a lot, quite a lot on both ends. I've seen it, you know, I launched my podcast at the end of July and you know, there are people who would not like and not comment and not even interact with me on social media. And once I launched the podcast, they're like, Hey, you know, Hey, like, like, love, love, you're saying this, I'm going to say that. And it's obvious to me because the next step is, oh, you have a podcast? Are you looking for a guest? I get over it really, really quickly. Ahead, a, a new term that I just recently learned. And we might need to edit this out because I don't know if it's an effective <laughs> term or not. So, but it's called a clout chaser. Have either of you heard of that term? I so, have, but I understand what it means. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's exactly what it is. And I've had, and it wasn't until a friend of mine, a good friend that I've got the rapport with that she could be honest and brutal with me. She was going, Nate, I think this girl that's trying to date you, I think she's just a clout chaser. And I was like, I don't know what you mean by that. And she broke it down. She goes, she's wanting to go out with you for the Instagram fame and the, and everything. And I go, Oh, I never thought about that. I go, so what you're saying is she should start buying the Taco Bell from now on. <laughs> you're missing the point here. And I go, yes, I need a double chalupa, a large nacho fry. I got it. I love it. She's got to buy them now. Yes. Yeah. You're so funny. You're so funny. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, I, I think that. I think that since I started my podcast, I've seen a lot of clout chasers. I mean, a lot. To the point that, you know, I do some vetting before my podcast as well. And in my vetting, because you were telling me you, you've had to kind of start to do that with your podcast. And in my vetting, in, in understanding that that's part of it, I realize in those initial conversations, just like with coaching, I have an initial conversation with people. I like to make sure that I can have a conversation that's not all about them presenting, so to speak, right? And in those um, short chats that I have with people, I can identify the clout chasers. 
Like I totally can. That's a new term for me, but I get it, you know, because they're like, oh, you know, I've been watching you for years, Wendy Y. And I'm like, but this is the first I've seen of you, like since the podcast. Now you want to connect with me. Now you want to be friends with me because you want to be on my podcast. Right. I actually had someone that was in a, in a podcast group that I was in. And I shared my artwork before I actually launched the podcast just to get some feedback from people. And we were not friends. We were not connected. I did not know her. She literally almost hunted me down to be a guest on the podcast. And what I've experienced since, you know, we talked and I was like, okay, you've got great conversation. I think we can do this. And then after that, I was like, okay, can I get you to do this? Or can I ask you if you'll do that? She's been so resistant since then that I'm like, wow, you're driving me nuts. I should have said no to you and not yes to you to be a guest on the podcast. Cause you know, she's like, oh, well, why am I going to do that? And what do you need this for? And I'm like, you know what? You don't need to do any of it. Once we get your episode out, I'm done. Yeah. Well, you don't want to align yourself with those people. You don't want to be seen as aligned with them because if they're treating you that way, you know, they're treating other people that way as well. I think a lot of it too comes back to trust in your gut. Like you said, every time my gut tells me to say no, and but yeah. I want to, I need to pay the rent because I'm a single mom and yeah. I say yes, I pay for it yes. <laughs> like for sometimes months you know, later. And it's not fair for me or for my client whenever, whenever we run into that trouble. Um, so in our last couple of minutes, Wendy, I'm, since you are a sales coach, I would love to hear if you have like a couple of top tips that you like to give when it comes to selling. I always tell people just be authentic, but I know that's not like the perfect sales, <laughs> sales idea, but for me, it's just to be authentic. But tell us what your best uh, tips are for that. Well, you know, I want to agree with you that that being authentic in your selling is a must. I don't I don't uh, say to any of my clients show up and be this kind of person or the the salesperson person. Okay, I say who are you, and let's connect to who you are, and let's begin to have a conversation that is a sales conversation with your client in a way that speaks to who you are not some canned script, not some technique, but genuinely understanding the sales process, understanding how you sort of overlay in that process, then how you kind of massage that process so that it speaks to you specifically and your authentic way of being specifically. Then you can go out and sell to more people. That's the first tip. The second tip, I know that sounded like it was three, but it was just one. <laughs> the second tip I'll share is that you must, must, must underline, bold, highlight, approach selling like you're choosing an outfit, like you're choosing a car, like you're choosing um, a house. And when I say it that way, what I'm saying is you've got to look at what's ideal for you. You've got to look at your, your client and make sure they're ideal for you to support because you're in the service business. Even if you have widgets and wares, you're still working with them in service. It's still about serving. Mm -hmm. So um, understanding that you are serving one particular type of client is necessary if you're going to be successful. I get questioned all the time about why this person didn't hire me or why they decided to go with someone else. 
and what's for you is for you. They didn't go with you because something better is waiting for you. Someone better is waiting for you. You've got to be very, very clear about who your ideal clients are and how you can serve them. That's number two. The third thing is um, I always hear a lot about objections and how you need to overcome objections. And you do. But objections are a couple of things. They're either fears in disguise or they are um, opportunities for you to serve more deeply. Yes. Okay. Fears in disguise or an opportunity for you to serve more deeply. When you look at objections that way, they're not, um, they're not objections. They're opportunities. They're mm -hmm. speed bumps. They are, you know, locked doors that you have the key to you got to look at objections differently, reframe them so that you can begin to address them when they come up. Love it. Love it so much. Um, yeah, especially the part that you said kind of about the locked doors, because you don't need to go through every single door. Not every door needs to be opened. So right. you can see and go, you know what, these are, these are your fears or these are your objections. You know, that shows me that maybe I'm not the right person for you. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're my, or, or I'm not the right person for you at this time. And that's where, you know, funnels and, and marketing and that kind of stuff also comes in because you go, hey, you know what, you're not ready right now, but let me put you over here in this, you know, jerk campaign or let me put you over in the, you know, in this, you know, 60 day course or whatever. And let's get you to the point where then you will be ready to work with me on the one on one coaching or whatever. Have those systems in place. Wendy, why I love what you've, you've brought to our podcast here. I know you said you've got a podcast. If some of our listeners, if they just absolutely loved your charisma and your charm, how can they find you? Well, the name of my podcast is the Profitable Coaching Conversation Show. And we're on primarily YouTube and then on all the audio, the top audio platforms as well. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Stitcher, and Spotify. Right. And it's a sales and marketing podcast. And the way I like to describe it is we work in the ecosystem of sales and marketing. So if it's related to sales and marketing, we touch on it, we talk about it. Wendy, why I think that that coach really missed out on an opportunity with you because even though her program wasn't great, the fact that she got you up out of bed, I'm grateful for because I think you are amazing. I, I think working with you would Thank be you. phenomenal on either end just because you're so real. I think that we have a very good rapport because I think you're awesome. Yeah, and I feel the same way. Like we've been laughing and talking since I actually popped in before we started the recording. I, I adore you guys as well. Awesome. Aww, thank thank, you. Thanks so much for being on the show with us today, Wendy. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Wendy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Would you like to have either myself or Nate speak at your next event or on your podcast? Visit us at themessybackend.com slash speaking. Well, that's our show for today's episode of The Messy Backend. Thanks so much for listening. Nate and Sheila signing off until next week. That's all we have for today's episode of The, 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 the Messy Backend. Join us again next week as our experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on in the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember, you are not alone. Every business has a messy back end and needs a little attention. Um, let's see, Nate, do you have something else that we... Uh, you mean just...
I, all of a sudden, I like just went had a massive brain cramp. <laughs> You're just like, and my brain is off now. I'm just done. I was talking, you know, because sometimes I have them too. I'm like, oh, <laughs> she's dribbling down the court and then yeah. forgot how to shoot the ball and is like, hey. uh, here, Nate, toss the ball. That's, that's what menopause does to you, Nate. You should be glad you should. You'll never go through that. <laughs> Getting old is just rough, guys. <laughs> I don't, so I don't know who decided that we should do this. Imagined. Yeah, when I was a kid and I was like, I want to get older. I said, no, yeah. go back and tell my six-year-old self no. So yeah, Tanner, Tanner, my uh, son, who's the same age as Nate, actually told me the other day, he said, Mom, why did you make me grow up? I didn't want to grow up. He says, it's all your fault that I'm growing up. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, but you wanted to, so... <laughs>